being financy. Financy. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good one. I'll have to use, good. I'm going to have to use that. Yeah, let's all be financy. All right. Here we are. It's been a while. It has. You know, we really left people on a cliffhanger because we were like, part one, part yep. two, soon to come. And yep. then like four weeks went by. Well, <laughs> hey, everyone, and welcome to What's Up With Money, an ongoing conversation to help make sense of today's financial confusion. I'm Ryan, a writer and millennial who's asking the questions. I'm Ronald, philosopher and financial advisor who's given the answers. From outdated 1980s financial advice to magic social media strategies, we aim to shine a light on what's really helpful, lessen financial anxiety, and better understand money. Thanks for joining our conversation as we ask, what's What's up up with money? money? Yeah, you're back from traveling across the pond. I am back. Had a very fun retreat in Paris. It was excellent. And and now you're ready to dive back into super exciting Oh yeah. Stuff. Let's do it. All right. Today we are talking once again about life insurance. Yes, part number two. So we did the intro about the different types. And oui, in oui. this one, we decided to chit-chat about why and how people utilize permanent life insurance because there's so much. Right. And the spectrum is wide from those that are like, it's the worst thing ever, it's a scam, to the other people that are like, buy as much of it as you can possibly get your hands on. Yeah. For, for the listeners, especially because it's been a minute, let's do like a quick recap from the last episode. So so we ta- what were the types of life insurance policies we discussed? So you have term, which is you have insurance for a temporary time period, mm-hmm. usually high death benefit, lower premium cost, but you know there's no cash accumulation side to it and if you don't die during the term, you just lose it. Mm-hmm. So and you can set those up in a variety of different ways. Right. So a lot of times people just use those to protect large liabilities or for Income replacement, like like for me, I don't want my wife to be a single mom with no money. So if I die, she can recoup my income mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. So that's usually why people have that type. Okay, so that's term. It's term. And then on the permanent side is where it gets a little bit more fun and a little bit more diverse. Mm-hmm. So you have universal life, which you talked about, which is, yeah, you know, there's some cash accumulation side to it. It has... Oftentimes they can have a growing death benefit. It's designed to be permanent, but it's not as permanent as mm. some of the other types. And those are better for, for well-aged people. individuals. Yeah, yeah, because it can get people, it can get someone that's older, something beyond like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then for usually a little bit less cost with some accumulation stuff. Right. So, and then from there, you can divert into the thing I hate the most, which is IUL, which is index right. universal life, mm-hmm. which I, which is, it's, it's been hot on the TikTok. The it past is, couple months, it is but it's everywhere, not. but I don't, I've never seen one that works. Mm. And I'm pretty convinced that for most everybody that's looking at them, they don't work. Yeah. Then you have variable universal life, which is where you, it's a securities based life insurance. So, the cash side of things is actually invested in the stock market through mm-hmm. usually the insurance company will have a, ha- a hand selected group of mutual funds across different, you know, mutual fund 
creators across different, you know, so you can get like some of the funds from some of the best players, the fidelities and the black rocks and the van, mm -hmm. you know, the vanguards and right. all in one, all in one spot. So your cash site is actually growing with the market based off of what you're invested in. So that one I like a lot better than IUL because mm -hmm. you have direct market participation and your cash grows based off of that. Okay. And not someone else deciding I'm cutting off the interest that you're earning or changing the terms of the contract like you can get with an IUL. Okay. So, and then that takes us another step forward in the permanent world to whole life. Which it's, is what we're going to be talking about yeah, mainly today. That's, that's the main one that people utilize in banking functions and in some of the stuff that you see like bank on whole life, become your own banker, infinite banking. That is all built around deep understanding of whole life contracts and how okay. those types of policies work, the advantages, how to use them, what they're good for. So, and that's a, those can be structured in a variety of different ways, but essentially it's designed to, the base of them is designed to, you pay it till you're a hundred years old um, is mm. sort of the structure. And then within that, they can be manipulated a bunch of different ways to get a bunch of different benefits for the purposes of being able to use them beyond just death benefit. And we're going to get into some of those purposes and manipulation. So if you're curious about the other ones we discuss, listen back to part one. Yep. That is there for you. And for now, for part two, let's get right into it. So tell us about permanent whole life. Yeah. So it's designed, it's one of the older forms of permanent life insurance. It was designed specifically to provide people long-term death benefit so that they would have it when they actually died. Unlike term, which not very many of those actually pay out, and there's a variety of reasons why, but with permanent life insurance, you're going to die. <laughs> if you don't know, it's pretty much a fact. It's a guarantee. So that's where these, these companies started doing life insurance on the permanent side of things because people could then fund those contracts over time and they were guaranteed to pay out because they would die. Mm. And so then you would have people then inherit this money. And because of the tax code, they would get that death benefit, essentially tax income tax free. And then some of that was how certain families would start to build generational wealth because they would have more coming in from the death benefit then they would have been able to save or put aside or grow their money too. So it could, it could sort of radically sort of increase people's financial status. Mm -hmm. So that sort of became some of the old background of them. And then what started happening, and this is where when you're looking at permanent life insurance, I always recommend that you look at a very large mutually owned whole life provider, right? Because, what those people did was it was a bunch of people that started to essentially pool their resources and contract together, which is what happens with a mutual company. You, you essentially voluntarily contract with all the other people that use that company to grow your money. And then you essentially trust the life insurance carrier to grow money very, very well and provide the guarantees that they can offer. And some of the oldest banking and some of the oldest financial stuff from, from beho beforehand. And so then people would then 
contract together, build these policies, grow mm-hmm. the money, grow the policies, you'd be able to utilize the cash within them. And it was all managed very, very well. And then you would get a death benefit at the end. So it was, that was sort of the, the early in this, we're, we're talking like 175, 200 years ago wow. in America that that was starting to happen. And that's kind of what, and, and so that's how not only wealth was, but like how banking kicked off. That's there's some, there's some tie-ins to banking. Yeah. That sort of has always been around as well in different forms. Okay. In, in America, you can trace back to, you know, if you look at like back in the good old days that you had the people, the actual people like JP Morgan, Charles Schwab, mm-hmm. some of those people actually working like this is what they were doing. Right. <laughs> they were, they were doing banking. They were doing investments. They were, they were getting, I say they were really behind getting things like the stock market, like, and this is post industrial revolution mm-hmm. times where they were starting to really get the economy and the capital going and moving in, in America. Okay. So for us to use life insurance yep. in a way that helps with this, this wealth gain, Yep. What are, what are some of the, like the key factors that we need to know? Yeah. So I always tell people these tend to be higher commitment plans because you, you essentially have to commit to doing the the policy, the plan, the way it's supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you sort of commit to either for a long period of time or your entire life because there's, there's a funding aspect to it. And so those are usually called premiums. Most people think of it like they think of their term where it's just a sunk cost, as opposed to thinking about it in, I think what's a more helpful way is thinking of them as like deposits Mm -hmm. in an account. Mm -hmm. And so it's not strictly a sunk cost. And in the way that when they're built really, really well, you end up with more money in and have access to way more money than you ever put in. Right. And so like I tell people like you could put every, you could put a bunch of dollars into this thing in seven years, you could take all your dollars that you ever put in out and you'd still have the More life money. insurance yeah. and you'd still have cash growing. So where's the cost? Right. Like, it's, it's so, but most people, because they're having to take money out of one pocket and put it into another. Sure. They see it as cost. Right. And a lot of people will talk about that in terms of like, well, does it fit in your budget and does it fit in, you know, with, with your other expenses and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so sometimes life insurance agents and people that sell life insurance, they, because they frame it as a budget item, Mm -hmm. it automatically sort of implants in people's heads cost. Sure. And so you kind of got to navigate that a little bit with, with these, but then once they start to accumulate cash value and depending on how they're built that could, I usually say they really start to pick up anywhere between three and seven. And then really after 10 years, they really start to pick up. Right. That's what I've heard too. Yeah. So, and, and so sometimes that commitment thing can be scary for people because they're like, I don't have a hundred percent liquidity and a hundred percent growth or whatever it is immediately. And right. it's like, well, you almost, you don't have that in pretty much any financial <laughs> Thing that you do mm-hmm. stock market you know because the minute you have growth it's taxed the minute you buy a house like if you sell the house within a year generally you come out negative so there's mm-hmm. all these different things where we have to get over the commitment thing to really move and progress right. and people that are financially savvy i think really understand that yeah and understand that that's also part of of the game well it's like a savings account you're using it 
Yeah. As to, to, and that's really simplifying it, but it it's, it's a savings account that over time actually gives you interest in a way rather than what like a, a bank yeah. would give you if you, if you saved your money with them. Yeah. And we kind of talk about them, me and my financial planning partner, we talk about them more in like a term of like, it's like a super bank. Mm. Because one of the things people don't realize is that like, if you thought about when you deposit your paycheck at a normal bank, mm-hmm. at like a JP Morgan, a bank of America or something like that, right. if you thought about that as a cost, like, and for what you got, would you still do it? If, if, if you depositing money at the bank was like a budget item. Oh, how no, do, oh, that's weird. Isn't it weird? Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. yeah. Because you probably are thinking there's no benefit really for depositing. Yeah. I or mean, giving them money. No, if, because, because if something costs you, then you are giving I don't know. I, I guess you don't see it as a financial return. You know, there is there, yeah. you're giving for some type of service or some type of bill. Yeah. You, you know so then I mean? we, we start talking to people about, okay, well, what, what benefits do you get from your bank now? They store, they, they loan your money. They do. They do <laughs> loan my money. My, my direct deposit goes there. Your direct deposit goes there. Yeah. And, and I, I'll stand by this bank. I believe banks are needed and necessary for transactions. That, that's about where it stops in my mind. Like I've told you, I keep as little money at a bank as possible. Yeah, you do. But it's because if you start weighing benefits of, and you start understanding that we essentially, all of us are doing the mechanics of permanent life insurance, we're just not doing it with a life insurance company. We're doing it with a bank. Mm. Because you take your money, you deposit it somewhere, you go back to that place, right. you get it out, and you spend it. With a traditional bank, you it's a great place to put money because you can go get it mm-hmm. as long as you're not asking for a lot of it because they probably don't have it. Right. But if you go there and get your money out, you look at like, okay, what benefits did I get? Basically, it's just that they held it for you. Mm-hmm. If you're earning interest or if you have like a high yield savings, then you can go, oh, well, I have 4 or 5%. Sure. But if you're two years ago, that was one and a half, two percent. Right. So, you know, the high yield savings only makes sense when it starts getting Up in there. a high interest environment. And mm-hmm. so, and then most people don't think too much about how many benefits they get from their bank. Mm. And I would say like, it's kind of a, it's a leading question, but like if you died, how much would, how much of, would the bank give Sydney, let's say? Oh, I mean, I actually don't know. Your account value. My account value? Oh, it's not much. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where it's like, okay, do you get any, do they, will they give you any extra benefits for depositing your money there? They supposedly give me interest. Okay. In in the savings account. Maybe they'll give you like a $250 like bonus if you set up your direct deposit. Oh, sure. Yeah. They do have like, if I, if I open up like a card or if I open up an account or they, they always have like those different incentives. Incentives. Yeah. 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 So that's where, what I want people to start doing with banking is, and it's a bit of a disruptive thinking and a disruptive process. But if you thought about, if you were depositing your money into a place that was guaranteed the same way, would pay out 
a whole lot more money if anything ever happened to you mm-hmm. would give you tax-free interest and dividends because the bank did a really good job of managing money and they want to return those profits back to you and fund your account even more. And then the kicker is if you needed your money and when you withdraw it, they'll still give you interest and dividends as if you didn't. That's the magic part. Doesn't that sound like a much better bank? Yes. Yes. So that, that becomes sort of like the turn and like the pivot of being like, if you think of it in terms of banking, which I don't think many people have thought about it in terms of banking. No. By it, comparison it, to like most people will go, it's a horrible investment. It's like, it's not an investment. Like if anyone tells you that whole life permanent insurance is an investment, run away. Right. It's not. Yeah. It, it, it can grow money, but it's not an investment in the technical terms. Right. That's not what it was designed for. No, no. And not how it's used either. Because if you're trying to use to grow money at a 5% tax-free rate, that you can do better at times in the market or with other things. But long-term, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. But it, you miss out on like potential larger growth larger things. Gains, yeah. You also save yourself from larger losses. But in strict like investment terms, it's kind of, it's kind of, eh. Mm-hmm. It's not like super sexy. It's right. not like... Woo, growing my money like like crazy. <laughs> yeah. But that's not its purpose. Right. And so its purpose is very different. And so that has to be that has to be made very, very clear for why someone would use this, why they should use it, why it's a great thing, but not as a comparison to like putting money in the S P five hundred or something. Sure. So sure. Well then, so not like, like putting money into a 401k or into like an IRA or Roth IRA, because, because people use whole life as a form of retirement. They do. Yeah. So a lot of times, so, and that's, that's also where you have to look at how these things work, what their advantages are and how those advantages complement other things. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I love to show people is Let's say you were in retirement and you're pulling money out of your retirement account. And if you look at two portfolios next to each other, portfolio A, the person doesn't have permanent life insurance. Okay. Portfolio B, that person does. And so if the market goes down and portfolio A has to keep drawing money out of that account and not let it recover after a down year, mm-hmm. they run out of money fast. Mm. And then if you look at if they had a non-market account that they could draw money from, it could be cash. It could be something like that. I personally think the whole life, because of its other benefits, makes a whole lot more sense. Then if you pulled money out of there Mm -hmm. and allowed your market money, those stocks to reappreciate in value and then turn that faucet back on, Mm. the portfolio continues to grow and has a lot of longevity and you end up with way more money. Just from that one simple thing of being able to take money for that year in retirement, that income out of a different place. Right. And it honestly, it doesn't need to be like gobs and gobs of money, but like in one scenario that I've run, it's like 80,000, which is still a good chunk of money. That is it. But like, if you haven't, if you have a million dollar portfolio and you can take 80,000 a year out and you only have that in market, you run out of money with those. If you have to draw during downturns. Mm. Whereas 
if you could do in those three years where there's significant downturns, you pulled 80,000 from another place for those years, your account value stays alive and, and recovers and grows, which is way more efficient in good financial modeling and planning than it's like, do you want the one that goes to zero before you're dead? Or do you want the one that still has a half million dollars in your, when you die? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you, you didn't change anything other than those down years. You pull money from a non-correlated place and you allow that thing to come back. When you say court non-correlated, you mean that it's not attached to the market? nothing to do with the market. Nothing to do with the market. Nothing to do with the market. Yes. You've said this before too, about the importance of having two different streams yep. coming in your retirement. Because I think, and we've talked about it when we talked about 401ks, that there's the misconception that this one bucket yeah. is all I need. Yeah. And the idea behind that is the stock market is all you need. Mm-hmm. And the stock market plays an important part in our economy. It plays an important part in growing money and and growing your your asset values and mm-hmm. things. But the stock market has a couple significant drags to it. The first drag is taxes and the second drag is losses. <laughs> and then the third drag is if you sell to have cash to exchange for goods and services or pay your rent, you stop the you stop the growth. Right. And so then there's the opportunity cost lost. Right. So it those couple of drags are things that people don't think about and plan for enough that you need to plan and have things that offset those. Right. <laughs> so that, you know, can offset taxes, can offset, you know, pulling out at a loss and things like that. And then that's where you see like the real lift in someone's performance. And I mean, a lot of times it's just math, not sometimes not very exciting, but you just look at the charts and you're like, oh, this one ends better. Well, I think when when math involves your quality of life and retirement, I think it does get really exciting. (laughs) It, 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 It can be very helpful. Yes. Yes. All right, here we go. Taking a break from our discussion of whole life insurance to talk Just about life insurance. To talk about life insurance. We are more specifically uh, money, wealth, life insurance. life insurance. That's right. This of course is our F well, I was going I was about to Your FDB I was this? about to do a different podcast. Um, is this, this is the our, reading corner? <laughs> is this the reading corner? We never had uh, a reading yeah, corner. Yeah, so yeah, the sports corner. We did have the sports corner. FDB Sports. Uh, that's right. No, this is for the What's Up with Money book club money wealth life insurance by jake thompson number one bestseller it says they're right on the cover <laughs> i put that on every book i've ever written <laughs> that'd be a fun thing to do on like every essay you turn in like in college <laughs> number one bestseller <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing last week we discussed some famous individuals who have used life insurance to the benefit including walt disney the founder of your favorite store jc penny jc penny Ray Kroc of McDonald's and and so much more. This week, I thought it would be fun because this is a listening experience <laughs> to discuss the graphs, yes, <laughs> the visual graphs at the end of this book. Charts are the best in Charts an audio format. Are the best, but it's just numbers, so I think we'll be okay. You're gonna read every number, every single number, year one. No, just kidding, Ron. What are what are these charts in the back of the book? What are they? What are they just showing? So. These are what are known as policy illustrations. 
Policy illustrations accompany any life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. By law, you have to have it. But what these do is they will outline sort of the di- the different features of a policy over time. So they'll show your premium payments going in. They'll show the cash value. They'll show dividends oftentimes. They'll show the death benefit increases right. over time. They'll show some other things. A lot of times they'll have like what's known as a guaranteed side and a non-guaranteed side. Don't be afraid of the non-guaranteed side. People always freak out when they see it. And I always say that non-guaranteed side is the, you know, 150 years of dividends. <laughs> so yes, you technically dividends are not guaranteed, which is why it has to be labeled non-guaranteed. Right. From where I sit, if you've done something for 150 straight years, or more. It, it feels pretty guaranteed. I feel pretty good. Feel pretty good. So, about it. the unlike the stock market, which is not guaranteed whatsoever. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. these charts then, and some people like look at them and they're like, "Oh my gosh, what is this? It's like the worst looking Excel spreadsheet yeah. on the planet." Yeah, but yeah. when you start to understand it and start to run the calculations and start seeing how cash and death benefit are growing with inside of a policy then these illustrations take on some really interesting features especially when someone that's good at this starts showing how when you start either utilizing them like a bank and taking money in and out oftentimes people will show like how it works in retirement how you know you can take you put in a dollar we'll give you two or three back of tax-free retirement income and then we'll give you your beneficiaries the original dollar that's sort of like sometimes a shorthand for how the, the numbers kind of line up. Right. And so that's when that's when you can start to dissect what's really going on and sure. understand it outside of how we traditionally think of like rate of return game or like the stock market went up 8%. It's not what's happening within these. Something mm-hmm. really, really different mm-hmm. is going on within them. But sometimes you you really need to work with someone that understands the mechanics and the numbers yeah. so that they can explain to you what's going on. Yeah, which Jake Thompson does. He, he does. He obviously knows what's going on. Now, I'm not going to get into all these numbers for you, listener, because it'll make your head spin. But basically what they do is there's there's three different case studies case study one is of consistent contributions and it shows that someone who puts in the same amount every year what that growth looks like and what that death benefit looks like and it's like in the millions but they start at it's for like 29 years and it looks pretty good so as a novice when you look at these charts I mean, you say it looks pretty good. What other yeah. things do you see when you look at these charts? Well, let's go with we'll start. We'll, we'll stick because I case, see them through. We'll, we'll stick with my case eyes. study one. So case study one, the this this individual's forty year old forty year old male, good health, non smoker, starts putting in money. Now this guy is putting in twenty grand a year, which is a lot of money. I will say I, that's not how much money I'm putting in to my to my policy right now. But you see that like in the first year, he puts in 20 grand and the cash value is actually about 18.3 grand. So it actually takes a it takes a hit initially in the year. But And don't be afraid when someone's like, that's because the agent is taking it all in commissions <laughs> and the life insurance p- company is pocketing it. It's more of an equity situation because what mm-hmm. if he died in that first year, what would he get? If he died in that first year, then he gets nine hundred fifty grand to his beneficiary. 
That's a great rate of return. It's a fantastic rate of return. The the other thing is to also realize that if the if there's so many because people talk about so many so much commissions, so much fees, then you never have more money than you put in if your money is leaving the policy to pay high commissions and high fees, mm-hmm. which is technically not at all what happens because you have all those premiums go into the the policy itself like right you just don't have access to yeah all of it because of the way the irs tax code reads right so and 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 it, and it recovers fairly quickly by year four he's put in 80 grand and and the value is 80 grand plus basically 80.9 grand happening yeah. and so you already you're you're you're, you're even but if we you, jump, you've you're profitable you're profitable actually that's correct someone uh, someone has paid you nine hundred dollars to have this policy but then if we jump all the way down to year 29 he's put in hold on what 100 200 300 400 500 600 almost 600 grand into this policy and the cash value was double that at that point it's it's 1.2 mil yep yeah and which is fantastic and this is where I always say this is where these have a very unique thing. So when you see this, this is what we actually refer to as compounding versus in the stock market, you have no compounding interest. Mm-mm. It's not the way the market works. You have appreciation and depreciation. So these never go down. You no, nev- no, yeah, the only dip is in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So they never go down. It's actual earnings so it's actual cash increase not that the value of what you own is up this year Mm -hmm. and it might be down next year so these are like savings this is real money being added and then the insurance company is going to continue to give you interest and dividends on the interest and dividends they gave you the years prior yeah that's where it actually compounds as opposed to just growing in value and I, I didn't even talk about the death benefit oh is, yeah it's it's almost 2.2 mil like yeah and that's just like a freebie this is a freebie and if, so i asked so if he died in that year your beneficiary is getting so how much did the policy cost the person uh the policy cost oh trick question it's trick question because it didn't cost him anything if you think about it yeah yes yeah so right this is one of the things that like they especially for like this is where i voldemort really irks me right because he talks about it in terms of a cost and right. i go you got paid how much money to keep your money here how much did the insurance company pay well they paid if it's at year 29 almost 600 you know over six hundred thousand. so if you and how many years was that 29 years so six hundred thousand divided by 29 is what i think it's probably about Twenty thousand. Hey, good math. <laughs> so, if you aggregate this out and look back on this, the insurance company paid twenty thousand dollars a year to this said person to have their deposits with them, and they were and they were quote unquote they were paying. So they basically didn't pay anything. It was it, it they got out. paid. They got paid. And yeah. if they took all that money out, they'd still get a death benefit. So they're getting paid on. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. This is where 
this is, I think, one of the hidden magic pieces of if you understand that it's not a business designed to take your money, but it's mutually contracting with other people to grow money, it's a very different scenario and a different way of thinking than if you look at it from a sunk cost and there's some evil insurance company taking all my money. Right. Yeah, you really have to look at them as a partner. And in these and these graphs continue like the the next page it shows like if the same individual on year 30 stopped putting into it, the money's still growing. The money goes from from 1.2 to 1.6 and then they start taking money out for the next like How much money were they years. taking out? In 120,000 a year starting at age 76. The thir- their 36th year of having the policy. Yeah, so that's and how much is the value? The value at, at that point is 1.6. 1.6. So that's a pretty good withdrawal rate. If you used a 4.4% withdrawal rate, you'd be withdrawing, you know, about 25, 30,000 less than that. Mm-hmm. So, and that the other thing is to realize that that money is coming out to this policyholder tax free. Yeah. So it has no impact on their social security, no impact on their other benefits. Social security, that's key. It that has no impact yeah. on their money that they take out of a taxable account. So they can take out less money out of their taxable accounts and keep their tax bracket super low. Mm-hmm. So that again, and if they weren't taking it out like we like we cover in the episode, if they need to pull money out of there as opposed to their taxable account, they and let that thing come back yeah. up. Then the other thing that people forget is if if you have a large lump sum payment of some sort of catastrophe or something if you need to get two hundred fifty thousand dollars for something be it home something disastrous medical oh, yeah, good luck getting that from the bank good or, luck getting that from the bank yeah. yeah but if you have to take it out of your 401k oh it's gonna be a huge hit your taxes are gonna be astronomical yeah whereas if you take it from here there's zero tax yeah it says here, yeah. So, so he took out 120 grand for 19 years, which comes out to a total of two million two hundred eighty thousand dollars worth what's, of income. And what's the remaining death benefit? The remaining death benefit after <coughs> is it is two hundred and eighty-four thousand dollars. Oh no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not, that's the value. The death benefit is five hundred ninety-one thousand two hundred nineteen. He put in six hundred thousand. He put in. Just under six hundred thousand. Yeah. So you put in six hundred thousand, you liquidate two million, and you're left with almost your original six hundred thousand. Yeah. That's how these work. Yeah, and that's just the first case study. I mean, we, we won't go into the other two, but it, but it goes. It, it talks about like front loading and what, what's and just just putting in a lump sum and then for like two years and then not contributing at all. Like it goes over like these different types of scenarios that you can do with them. So that it's definitely worth checking out yeah. and, and it's, it's a pretty eye opening oh yeah this thing's basically a pamphlet it yeah. is does it even have a page count it does it's like 61 pages of 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 a lot of white space you know it's probably like a 25 page word document sure sure yeah it's a very easy read i think i read the whole thing in one sitting um but but it's it, but it's really it is eye opening it is much like what was the other one we had the tax, tax bomb tax bomb yeah tax bomb similar it's it's a similar vibe of tax bomb except this is about life insurance money wealth money, life insurance wealth, life insurance anyway check it out if you have not yet again number 1 bestseller <laughs>
So let's get into, so we, just now we talked a little bit about one, one key benefit that whole life, having a whole life policy can give you along with a, a retirement fund that's in the market. Well, so what are some other benefits that people may not realize? We, you know, when, when, when people say that whole life is a waste of money, it's too much, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What are, what are the benefits that they're not seeing that they're not talking about? Yeah. So usually those things are built on some interesting, I think, misunderstandings and mischaracterizations of how these, how really good ones and working with really good companies, Mm. because they're not all the same. I just want that to be cleared. Not all whole life is the exact same product. Right. And not all providers of whole life provide the exact same product. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's very clear. And so it's easy to go look at a bad one and be like, oh, that thing sucks. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being like, yeah, but you're not looking at like the Rolls Royce of Truly. <laughs> whole lives. You're looking yeah. at the, the Kia that's, you know, from 1986. <laughs> you, know, that, yeah. you know, that kind right. of thing. So it's important because what, what they tend to misunderstand is they're thinking of it in terms of a cost, like a budget item cost. And then they're also, so that becomes one barrier of like, oh, it's expensive. Yeah, I, I do understand that yeah. because from someone who does have a whole life policy, it's a good chunk of money. It, it's, yeah. it's like, and you're like, when you first are into it, it does kind of, after after a while, you're like, oh man, this, you know, yeah. if you're looking at your budget, like, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta pay this and blah, blah, blah. But what we're talking, we, this, so this does take a little bit of, of, of reframing yeah. Of, of, yeah. Of, of a mind, a mindful shift yeah. toward what, what that, what that fee that you think it yeah. is. The money leaving account A yes. and going into this account. What it's really doing for you. What it's really doing for you. Yeah. And then having a real vision and picture of how we're going to use it. Right. And then the other thing is people will talk about it doesn't do death benefit as well as term for the dollar. And there's one way to look at that and say, yes, you can generally get term insurance for cheaper. And the reason you can do that is because it's not going to pay out. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We talked about that in the last episode where like one or 2% of term policies ever actually pay out because the people usually outlive the the policy or they cancel it or they cancel it and they go to a cheaper one. Yeah. So there's all those sorts of things too. So then it's like, okay, so after 20 years, your 20 year term is over and you got none of that money back. Right. It protected you along the way, which is great. And I think we are such an underinsured country. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It scares the crap out of me. And it's the easiest way to protect. I think I said it in the last one, more people insure their iPhone than their own life. And it's like, that is messed up. Yeah. in so many ways and but you know people feel like they're not going to die and they you know they feel like they might crack their phone screen you know so yeah it that's a more realistic fear in their minds right but if you ask someone that's ever had a life insurance policy pay out they are over the moon <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it sucks that they lost someone like and i don't want to gloss over that but those life insurance checks that come are they're oh. they're so meaningful yeah for people and they make such a big difference at the worst time of their life yeah <laughs> so totally because it, it does 
Because without that, it'd be way worse. Way worse. Way worse. Way worse. And so even though it's it doesn't replace the fact that that individual's now no longer here, yeah. it does help alleviate some of the for lack of a better word, burden that yep. is now put upon them. Yep. You know, and it can significantly change the course of someone's life. Sure. <laughs> if you all of a sudden have a huge influx of money yeah, that then in the moment where you feel like the world's over, you have this influx of money, which opens up opportunity and sort of, it doesn't fully redeem, but it, it, it can set forth a new, a new course, totally. a, new, a new path. And yeah. So, but then if you look on like the whole life side, after 20 years, the term policy is dead and all that money's gone. 20 years in the whole life, your death benefit has risen and grown because it grows like proportional to the cash value. Mm -hmm. It's never going away. Mm -mm. It's there continually growing. And you got cash. In a lot of cases, you'll have twice as much cash that you ever put in. So then that's where it's like, it's just a completely different, different way of thinking that's really important and if you don't think about it properly you'll never you well one you won't understand it two you'll never buy one because <laughs> you'll you'll see it through the wrong lens and then three you'll miss out on the benefits of, yeah. of them and yeah. so and there i think there's some good reasons like i don't think it's for everyone i don't i i think everyone should have one <laughs> but for a lot of people it just seems like too big of a leap Sure. I think. And so then it's, that's where things like term can come in and be a protection that makes sense. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not a big fan of term by comparison, but that's just where I think for, for people to understand banking and understand how we actually use these things in conjunction yeah. with everything else. And I think one, one, the key thing that I think will help people is to be able to detach the the word banking from the word bank, from the yes. from the noun banking to the from yep. the noun bank to the verb banking. banking. Yeah, because when you I think when people think of oh I'm banking I am at a bank, and yeah. it's like no they're, they the are bank is banking. <laughs> yes, the bank is banking, but. And you're making it happen. And you're making it happen yep. exactly. So it's it's a you you must detach that 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 correlation yep. between the two, and think of banking as you like you know you know there's a whole bunch of books and all these videos about being your own banker and all that yep. stuff, which yep. you can totally go watch. In fact, probably recommend that you do just to educate yourself yeah. on it. But it, it, separating those two words is going to really help you think about how you handle your own money. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's half of the battle, I think with most financial planning or things like that. And the conversations that we have with people mm -hmm. is you have to start taking some of those things on yourself and, and realize that you're by putting money at the bank, you are not banking. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, and if you want to consider it banking, you're, it's one of the least efficient ways for a person to bank. <laughs> right. And that's where it's like, who benefits from you putting your money in the bank? And the bank like, does. The bank does. Yeah. And so the bank's able to then do stuff. And so that's where if you take a second or a day or a week or a month and really look at banks and how they function, how they operate, how they make money, how they do things, that will open your eyes. Mm-hmm 
and give you a taste of what banking really is. Well, I think, I, I don't know if we touched on this in the last episode, but bank-owned life insurance. Yeah. Banks are, are some of the biggest purchasers of whole life insurance yeah. policies. It's where they keep their tier one capital. It's, it's, it's how they manage uh, all, all that stuff. Well, I can't remember if I asked you this because you've been gone for so long, but where do banks bank? Which is a question that really tickles the brain because you're like, wait a minute. I guess, I don't know. Do they use one another? Do uh, they use their own product? It's so funny. I, I, you might have asked me this because I think I remember having this conversation. But like, it's 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 like no, of course they wouldn't bank at other banks. And you're like, there's no way that they keep their money in a savings account. Like I keep my money in their savings account. You well, know what? So like, I think, I think what would be the point of a like Bank of America putting the money that they receive into the into their, their high own. yield savings? Yeah. I, I think the idea is that like they put it in the market. Like that would be my first, without knowing anything, I think that would be my first idea. It's like, oh, they, they take your money and they invest in the Put market. all your deposits at risk? Oh, that doesn't sound good. Now that I think about <laughs> it. So then, you're, then it's like, well, then what do they do with it? And yep. that's when you learn that they put it in a whole life policy. Yeah, so bank, banks use large life insurance carriers as their bank. Which is, which is crazy because then it's like, because then, then you see banks as a middleman in a way, right? Because it's like, okay, I'm putting my money in a bank. Yeah. And the bank is taking my money and putting it in a life insurance policy. So what if I just yeah. cut the bank out well, and go straight to life insurance policy? Exactly. Yeah. So it, but it, it's such a fun thought experiment. Like the more people I ask, like, where do banks bank? The funner it gets. People, because it's not something you think about. No. You do not think you... I think people still think of banks as like they have it in a vault. It's right there. Yeah. Like where do banks, who loans banks money? Uh, the government. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just gifts. They're not really loans. But where else do banks get money from? Who loans banks money? I guess we do, right? We, we, we give them money. With your deposits? With our deposits. Where right? else do they and get our money? CDs and all that stuff. Where else do they get money? Yeah. I don't know. Large life insurance Large company. life insurance policies. Because they will, large life insurance companies will sell your bank a block of a billion dollars of cash. Wow. For 2% rate of return. Oh, wow. And the bank will turn around and lend it. Right back for like 7, 10%. Yeah, or get, and get a spread. That's another way banks make money. Mm. But large life insurance companies are the best cash managers on the planet. I stand behind that. I will argue anybody be it Voldemort or anyone else that there's someone else that manages money better than large life insurance companies actually pretty much all insurance companies whether it's auto insurance health insurance they just do a better job well I think we, we didn't we talk about in the last episode I think it might have been when we were discussing the book of the month money wealth life insurance where life insurance stayed afloat during the depression they mm -hmm. stayed afloat during any recession. Yep. During the Civil War, they were fine. Yep. Like any instance where banks or the market was failing, or banks needed bailouts, um, yeah. at life insurance, those whole life, those one that's been around for over 100, 150 years, they're like, we're fine. Yeah. We don't need your money. 
we're, we're chilling. And what's interesting is one of the reasons why life insurance companies do so well in up markets is because they're able to capture a lot of good guarantees and good returns. Mm. The reason why they do so well in down markets is because everyone flocks to them because they beat the crap out of the market. Right. Because, you know, like, oh, eight, you know, the market's down 40%. Life insurance companies are still <laughs> pulling a profit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, f- 5% is f- beating the market by 45%. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you have this, like, ebb and flow within that almost makes them recession-proof in some ways. It, 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 it feels that way. There's definitely that feel, and it definitely makes you want to, and to, to put your money with them because you're like, well, if, if, if you're handling your money so well that none of these things affected you in a meaningful way and the banks use you, then what if, I, if I'm smart, I should put my money with you too. And you've, said, well, and you've also said that like you shouldn't put all your money with them because you should also invest in the market. You should have yeah, your money in, in different pools. There's some, like, like all things, there's a little bit of drag with a life insurance policy. Yeah. Like you, you will not get the crazy appreciation on, on something. Right. You might not get the, like in a, versus like a house. A house can appreciate in value sometimes faster than, you know, the equity build within a life insurance policy. Sure. But it, what happens is people will try and find the one thing, <laughs> the one financial product that, you know, mm-hmm. does it all. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. But when you use these things together and use them properly, they really elevate people's overall progress. Right. And like, I'll tell people like, I can get you 5% more than anything you're doing right now. And they'll be like, well, I'm getting 30 in the market. Cool. I can get you your 30 in the market plus five because of the way people utilize these types of when they're built really, really well. Yeah. They can pull that. They can deploy that in the market still are earning as if they, their money's still there because it technically is. Mm -hmm. And then get the growth in the market, throw their money back, and then they've won in both places. Yeah. Which is one of the magic pieces to certain companies and the way they do it is it's the one place where essentially you can take your money out and use it somewhere else, and you'll still earn money on it back at the life insurance company. Yeah. What's the what's the term? Uninterrupted. It's uninterrupted, uninterrupted growth. growth. Yes. Right. And, and, and I, I think it's one of the only vehicles where you can effectively have that. Yeah, the closest thing to it is if you use the equity in your house mm. and deploy that somewhere else, mm-hmm. your house is still rising in value, but you've pulled out some of the equity. Sure. It's not quite the same because... Because the house could lose value. House could lose value, yeah. and you still have uh, what's known as like a structured loan to pay off, structured obligation to pay that loan back. Mm. Whereas life insurance loans, they're unstructured. Oh yeah, you also don't have to pay you them. Don't back. have to pay them back. Yeah, yeah. When you You'll, die, they'll, they'll. And that's just... one of the things where only in whole life policies can that really truly be the case. Right. Because if you have something in with a rising cost of insurance, like an IUL, your cost could rise so much that the policy dies. Right. And then it's gone forever. It's just done. It lapses. It lapses. You can have the same in a VUL, although a VUL 
because of its market participation and in the ways that oftentimes they're structured and the costs in them are not as heavy like an IUL, they actually can have such an appreciation value in over 20, 30 years in the market mm-hmm. that you could pull a, b- a bunch of money out and the policy will still, you know, if they're built, if they're built right and built well, right. you can build them in such a way that, you know, you can pretty much do whatever you want because it's not going to fall apart. But a whole life is one of those things that, you know, it's the only one that can be paid up and done mm. and locked in for life. So, you know, you can pay them off in very short periods of time, 20 years, five years, six years, 14 years, 11. It doesn't matter. But you can have them built in such a way that then at that point, that contract is fully paid up, done, no more money that out of your pocket goes in, but it's it's guaranteed for the rest of your life. And it continues to grow. Continues to grow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so when you start getting into the nitty gritty and you work with someone that really understands this side of life insurance, mm-hmm. understands the banking function, understands how people have utilized these for two centuries mm-hmm. to do exactly this stuff, why banks use them, why everyone else, you know, why it's so popular now. It's, it's almost having like a little bit of a resurgence. Okay. But, yeah, uh, but unfortunately, sure. people are leaning towards the IUL, which is, which is bad news. Not where you want to go. No. Yeah. But the all of the signs point back to people are starting to discover these in new ways. And we get people calling asking for, I want infinite banking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Can what what have you learned? Yeah. Well, so and so told me how I can buy my car through it instead of the car company. It's like cool, I've seen all nine thousand of those videos too. Yeah. We want to really understand how it works. And then that's where the rubber meets the road because like all financial vehicles, you have to fund them. You know, right. Your 401k is going to be of no value if it's not funded. Right. Your IRA, your house is of no value if you don't pay the mortgage. <laughs> you know, like right. every financial thing that we do in life requires us to commit to it and fund it and fund it properly and do the right process. Mm-hmm. So that's, but that's they're, yeah. they're way... As a financial advisor, I find them way more fun to play with and build and, and structure because there's way more things you can do throughout life with them. Sure. Way more creative than just putting cash in and getting a death benefit. Right. If that's what you think whole life is, you have, you, it, that is <laughs> that is like the very last feature <laughs> right. of, of the whole life thing. Well, that's why to, as we're winding down to touch on it again, to make sure that when you, to do your research about yep. where to, to, to start your, your whole life insurance policy mm-hmm. or who, who to, who to, I guess, purchase it, who to purchase it from. Would that be the correct Who term? to contract with. Who to contract with. Thank you. Cause you're not, you're, you're contracting with a money manager. Okay. So who you, and then, and then, so, you know, do your research, get recommendations on, on what company to contract with. And then also make sure you have an agent that is handling your contract. That, yeah, yeah. I'll give, I, I can give my penny for your thoughts right yeah, now. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Penny so for your thoughts. Yeah. The, the rules are one, you got to go with a company that's been around for more than a hundred years. Two, they have to be a mutually owned company, which means they only serve the people that contract with them, mm-hmm. that buy policies or do policies with them. Because then they are, 
their whole profit model and their whole scheme is just designed to benefit policyholders, not CEOs, owners, stockholders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no one in in these large life insurance companies that is sitting at the top of the pile benefiting in some unusual way. Mm-hmm. It because it's mutual contracting, voluntarily contracting with other people, and then having good people run the system. That's that's why you need mutual. Right. There are non-mutual companies that will pay dividends. They tend not to be as good. Mm. So look for mutual. And just because it has mutual in the name does not yeah. mean it's mutual. <laughs> that, can be, that can be a myth. People find that one out the hard way. Mm. So 100 years old, they're mutually owned. And then look at the way they handle the policy loans. Because some companies will not honor or not recognize that your money's still there. Mm. They won't credit you dividends the same way. Mm. And then last look at their dividend payouts. A lot of them have been paying dividends for 160, 170 straight years, which means they've been profitable on, on that stuff. It's a good, it's a good streak. Last one. Well, second to last one. Okay. Ask the agent, how much have you guys paid out this year? Oh, so like I, I looked at one and it was like, they, they've been, they pay, they're like over $6 billion. Oh, wow. Paid out. This year? Yeah. In death claims. Oh, wow. And then it's like, well, crap. <laughs> that's a lot of, it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that's going to policy yeah. <laughs> owners or the yeah. beneficiaries. <clears throat> and last, make sure that the agent that you work with, and I recommend working with an agent because you Basically, you need one to build these, but you need someone that's well-versed in the banking functions and structures mm-hmm. of whole life so that they can really structure it really, really well and build it in a way that will actually perform and do what you're supposed to have. So. Well, there you have it. Whole life insurance, mutually owned. Ron, what will be discussing in part three? What's coming up in the future? Yeah, so part three is kind of building on that, but more specifically, like all the different things you should probably ask when you're doing life insurance. Okay. Getting into the nitty gritty of the questions for when you are um, signing the contract, I guess, Yeah, for your policy. Yeah, because there's a lot of things, even with something as what seems like as simple as term, Mm -hmm. that like you want to make sure it'll pay out during a COVID-19 type pandemic. Sure. Different things like that. Yeah. And you want to, so there's certain things that, yeah, I've got a list of things that I tell everyone to do their due diligence on, Mm -hmm. but most people don't know what the due diligence is beyond, well, it's a million dollars for $37 a month. Mm -hmm. That's the due diligence that most people do. And it just, that scares me really, really bad. Yeah. Well, it's almost Halloween, so I know it's ooky spooky time. It is. Yeah. Well, listeners, we will leave with that. We hope if any of you have been curious about your own self-banking, infinite banking, whatever you want to call it. Banker, build a family bank. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Vortex of banking. We hope that this has been helpful. Uh, You could always ask us more questions by leaving us a review on wherever you're listening to this podcast. And that is where we can answer. And with that, anything, any, anything else wrong? Listen in next time. Listen in next time. Thanks for listening to what's up with money. We'll continue our conversation in the next episode. 
But until then, please subscribe to rate and review the show. Giving a rating or review helps other people find the show. So if you like what you're hearing and you want others to hear it too, please give us a rating, share us on social media, or both. Reviews are also where you can leave us questions. So if you have any financial questions for us, please leave them in the review. We may answer it on the show. We love questions. We'll be back next week to continue our conversation and hopefully get a little bit closer to answering the age-old question, What's What's up up with money? Life insurance is the world's safest industry. There's an account that yields five to six times more than long-term CDs, has guaranteed returns in most cases, does not have to be reported to the IRS, can be accessed by any time without penalty, lets you retire 100% income tax-free, and yet almost no one knows how wonderful these plans are because the government places tight restrictions on the advertising of these accounts, even though they are 100% legal. You've never seen a commercial for all life insurance. Now that I think about it, yeah. that is to own some. Now, why why can't we advertise all the greatness of cash value life insurance? You ready? The government places tight controls and restrictions on the advertising on these accounts because they can't make a dime off of them. If we sold cash value life insurance to everybody in America, there'd be no tax revenue for these guys to screw up. Oh, Mike Trout. When the money goes in, it accumulates without current taxation. When you take it out as a retirement benefit, it is paid out tax-free. And when you die, the death benefit is paid tax-free. Let me ask you something. Don't you think you ought to get out there and tell America this? That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're telling America. <laughs> All of it. Yes. No, it's, it's true because like, you've never seen a cash value life insurance commercial. No, that's I so. Even, f- I don't think I've ever seen any type of life insurance. Yeah, commercial. commercial on television. That's so funny. I've never thought about that because you hear, you hear about investing. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of conspiracies around why that's allowed to be advertised. Yeah. And, but this one, this one's always tickled me because it's like, it's so true. If all of our money was outside the tax system, what would happen? Yeah, the government wouldn't have... People wouldn't be investing as much. And some people are like, well, what if the government changes the laws? I'm like, well, you know why that won't happen? Because they don't want to lose revenue. Well, they... I'm just saying, like, well, why don't they change the tax laws on life insurance? Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Why? You know how much life insurance politicians have? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they know the game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So they don't want... This is one of the things, like, they talk about, like, changing some of these things. Once people in power and once people with money have access and enjoy the benefits mm-hmm. and create generational... They don't want to screw that they up. They don't want to screw it up, no. No. Yeah. That's why, I like, the bills about, you know, senators buying stocks, like... It's never going to change. No. So, yeah. Bill, bills where it's like those in government make the the median minimum wage or whatever. Yeah. You know, like that's never going to happen. No one's no no one's ever going to vote. Even though like the spirit of that is correct, that's never going to happen. No. Yeah. I don't know that I would vote to disadvantage myself. Exactly. To, to a, such a degree. Like, exactly, yeah. But it is it is interesting. It's always a good thought experiment to be like, and a good thing for people to really consider why 
it's important to have tax-free money. Mm. So, yeah. and how to do it. But yeah, yeah this one's always this one's always funny because it's like, why don't they want to advertise it? Because they'll lose all their tax. Right. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. <laughs>